Welcome to Startups and FOPs, episode two. And today we have an amazing guest. Yes, Startups and FOPs is a podcast brought to you by Norskin, talking about the startup ecosystem. We talk about failures here. We talk about how to build your companies. Most importantly, to inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs in Africa. Today's guest is a personal favorite. And I'm going to tell you why she's a personal favorite. Now, there are these people that you look at from afar and for a long time. And there is something about their leadership skills, organizational structure. But most importantly, every time you speak to them, there's wisdom. Every time I've spoken to today's guest, I live more inspired, more energized. Aline Kavanda, country director for Jasiri. A pleasure to have you on the podcast. Well, Arnold, thank you so much for your kind words. I always uh, feel energized uh, speaking to you. And so it's such a pleasure to be here today and uh, such a pleasure to be part of this conversation. I like going back in time. Yeah. And uh, the first time I had a conversation with you was about five years ago. I think it was at the radio station. Yes. And we talked about what needs to be done yeah. for the startup ecosystem. So I'm such a firm believer in working backwards. Yeah. You know, the end goal is something in five years and you're like, okay, what do I need to do five, four, three, two years down the road? And one of the things you do, you've built a team over a period of time. Amazing team that you have there at Jasiri. But most importantly, you know what roles each team member has to play. And talking to your team members, because I do, you know that I know that they are inspired by you because you hold them accountable. There's a standard and the need for us to have standards. Because one of the things my mother used to tell me is, and detest most is mediocrity. Mm. You don't like mediocrity. You don't stand for mediocrity. 90% of startups globally, sorry, in Africa, actually fail. Mm. But that's largely down to we don't have a good understanding of the foundation of what needs to be done. And those are some of the things you're doing at Jasiri, building foundations, letting entrepreneurs know that maybe this doesn't work for you. Maybe the ladder works for you. Mm. We're going to dive into that. But before that, who is Aline? Well, Aline loves life and everything that uh, life has to offer. Aline sees the possibility that each day presents. Aline is a believer and she's very passionate she tends to go 200% into everything that she does. Perhaps that's a flow in some ways. I don't think so, but yeah. Aline is a mother. Aline has wonderful kids, two boys, 18 and 16. And I think she takes pride in seeing those two amazing human beings getting into, you know, adult life and just how wonderful they are. Is very curious about life and... You know, Aline has a strong desire to just live a life that matters, you know, that, that creates something above and beyond self to others. And so Aline's life choices has always been driven by quite an interesting way, contributing, uh, creating, impacting people's lives. At the end of the day, I think Aline would wish to be remembered as someone that really mattered you know, to people around her. And so I think, I think that's who Aline is. I think you're building that legacy or have already built it. There's a fear, right? A fear of jumping into mm. the unknown, right? And for many people in Africa, startups are the unknown. Mm. I, I kid you not, when you walk outside the North Skin offices, just down the road, people 
think this building is a warehouse. They, they, <laughs> they don't understand. You came from a very corporate world and you jumped into the startup world. Mm. Make it that decision. How did you come to the point of saying, you know what, let me go and build mm. and help build the next generation of African entrepreneurs? Mm. You know, Arnold, my initial uh, life choices were actually very much driven by what my dad expected me to do. And so I remember when we were younger, uh, he would give us three choices. And I remember I was wrapping up with the finishing uh, secondary school. And he said to me, look, you're going to university, you have three choices, everything else doesn't matter. Law, engineering, or medicine. And I looked at all of this and I looked at law and just, you know, it sort of felt at that time that it's about going to court and solving people's issues and talking, talking, talking. And then very much less of a talker. So that wasn't for me, engineering. Well, I thought maybe that would have a lot of math and I was okay at math, so perhaps not for me. And so the, the remaining choice was medicine. And so I did my first two years in, in medicine and then sort of oriented myself in physical therapy, which then I graduated and I went for my master's and first life choice um, really influenced by my dad. And as I worked in, in that field for about four years, and I was a lecturer um, at the University of Rwanda, and I was also a physical therapist in one of the referral hospitals here. And as a lecturer, I remember one defining moment. You know, life has a way of this, that one moment where you just realize that something has to change. And I was standing in front of my students and you know, as a lecturer, it's more than imparting knowledge, it's passion. And I stood there and I was very good at what I was doing, but I just felt, well, what am I doing here? I'm not conveying passion. Well, I'm conveying knowledge. And at that point, I decided to just stop. I resigned from my position. At that point, I told very few people because who does that when you have sort of a defined career and you sort of are perceived as being successful? And so at that point, I realized that I needed to sort of have a, a quest for self and really understanding what is it that matters to me. But granted that at that point, all my sort of very early years of my career was very much, you know, sort of focusing on in sciences and medicine. So I knew nothing else. But I think to go to your question, I then realized that there was one thing I knew for sure was that I wanted to work with an organization that impacts people's life. And so I remember then uh, this particular day I came across Akila uh, Institute for Women at that time, and I was struck by the mission and struck by the vision that that organization had. And most importantly, I was struck by the fact that these students were given what I didn't have, which is the gift of choice. And at that point, I said, well, I'm going to be part of this organization. So very quickly, uh, fast forward, I joined their organization, climbed the ladder from really entry-level position to uh, managing that institution for about eight years. I think for me, success at that point as a leader meant we have students who are graduating from Aquila who have the required knowledge, skills, competencies to be successful. And so success meant that they would get a job. And so for a number of years, we managed to maintain 80 plus percent uh, job placement, but as the years you know went by and more organizations, more higher learning institutions coming in, it started to become difficult. 
And so again, going back to power of moments, I was invited for graduation and graduation at the University of Rwanda. As I sat there looking, you know, at the, it was sort of a stadium and there were about 7,500 uh, graduates and they were all excited and, you know, celebrating and you know, the many years of sacrifices and hard work. And at that point, and as, as I stood there, I wondered, where are the jobs? And at that point, I said, well, you know, I've, I've focused nine years of my career sort of preparing university students for jobs. And in that moment, I decided that I wanted to actually be part of the solution for creating jobs. Granted, at that point, I had no idea what Jasiri was, but I just put it out there in the universe. And it's interesting, you have to be careful with what you put out in the universe, because what happened is I joined Jasiri in 2020 in August. So indeed, to your point, it has been, well, an amazing journey of learning, of growth, of understanding, but also of unlearning a lot of the misconception and perhaps what I knew at a time um, just in terms of entrepreneurship development. So the journey at, at this series is really one that um, it's such a privilege for me and, and definitely um, with the team, the amazing team at Jasiri, uh, you know, each day I wake up really energized and excited about the work that I do. I like your tagline uh, as Jasiri, you know, catalyzing high impact entrepreneurship. So usually when I'm doing tours around the North Skin Campus, I have a bias, uh, a little bit of a bias towards the company and the organizations because of the work you do and how you do it, the way you structure your program. So traditionally, when people think about how to help entrepreneurs, it comes from what you would call, quote unquote, an NGO mindset. It's not what you guys do. What do you mean? So Entrepreneur X comes to you mm. and is like, I want to solve A, B, C, D. And you're like, okay, we'll give you $10,000. Mm. No training. You know, they just have to send through some form of resume, CV, pitch deck of what they're working on. And I think that's reason as to why mm. many of our startups fail or don't pivot early enough or are not even ready for the mm. funding to take them to that next level the lack of that business acumen for the startups. How do you guys do it differently and why is it important the way you do it? Hmm. So I think a lot of the ecosystems around the world, you would see that uh, the majority of entrepreneurs have maybe worked for a couple of years and then they decide to, I'm mean, talking about the majority, to start their entrepreneurial journey. But what they have done over the years is building knowledge, building expertise, and by the moment, and seeing gaps and opportunities, which then, you know, they sort of can turn into solutions and, uh, you know, product services. But our African context is different. Very. Because, you know, the majority of the population is very young. So, you know, in Rwanda, those who launch companies in general will be below 30. Some actually even while they're at university or straight after university and so haven't had the time, the experience to, to, you know, the opportunity to really build that knowledge base and sort of which you define as business acumen. And so that coupled with starting a venture from the get-go, from the unknown, and in many times without any support system, where the entrepreneurs are on a daily basis, struggling, hustling, figuring things out. Survival mode. Survival mode. 
So at that point, I think when you're in a survival mode, you're really pushing, okay, so the, the solution and the, then you're trying to get funding and then really your attention is not necessarily on really building a solid team and understanding how the team has to function and the processes and the, right? So I think we just have to understand the nuances of our context and with Jasiri now to answer your question. So first of all, we're different in a way that we're working on that transition to entrepreneurship. With a talent investor, what we're saying is, if you're a young person who aspires to become entrepreneur, who is exceptional as evidenced by what you've done in the past that created impact, or what you've done, what solution you, you've presented to, or you created, you designed, and, and how entrepreneurial you are, then this program is for you. Now, what the talent investor does, we walk with you throughout the whole journey of launching your business from scratch. And there are fundamentals. And the fundamentals are, first of all, understanding the problem that you want to solve. Why does it matter to you? And is it big of a problem? Is it you perceiving it to be a problem or is it an actual problem? So then the first part, we call it falling in love with the problem. And at that point, we tell you, don't tell us about a solution. We don't want to hear about the solution because... What's, what's the, different about your approach, right? Because what we see often, you know, especially with our ease of doing business, you can create a cup. Today, as Arnold, you can think about an idea and you say, well, I think this is going to work yeah. because I think people need this. Yeah. And you haven't done any homework yeah. and you start your business. Yeah. And then you start to then going backward into understanding the problem. What this does is it's a solution that you're trying to find a problem for which it fits, right? So you actually are doing the reverse. This just reminded me, during the pandemic, gyms were closed. Why doesn't someone set up an outdoor gym? Looking back at that, I'm like, in this market, that could have been a big failure. Because who in this market wants to work out outdoors? Apart from once, let's say, or twice every month. In yeah, and the question day. would be... Is it really that people didn't think about it? Is it, is it, right? So your hunch as an entrepreneur was, well, that's a great idea, right? So let me open it tomorrow. I almost opened that company. It takes, what, See? 30 minutes? <laughs> and you have your certificate in six hours? Exactly. Well, shout out to RDB. Yeah. It's a journey. So from understanding the problem, doing your market research, really understanding uh, the industry, gathering insights from uh, different industry leaders in, in you know, and there's a whole network of people who have data, who have information, speaking to other entrepreneurs, understanding the gaps, you know, what is working, what is not working. And then the third element is then validating all of that. Your assumptions, are they true? And it's interesting that as part of the, of the process, you would see our just Siri fellows starting with, an, with a problem and then testing it in the market and going back to the drawing board. Oh, no, no, this isn't this working. Not work. So it's a journey. And then at the end of this process, they also have formed teams. This power in finding the proper team for your business. Not because I know Arnold and we actually get, um, we can have you know, a we, we can, together yes, and, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I like his work ethics. And by the way, we're more on a stimulus, so it's going to work. And, but it's really understanding what set of skills, expertise is needed for my business to thrive. And there's power in, in differences as well. So that, you know, different co-founders actually are bringing 
set of values and, you know, to the table, different personalities, expertise, and you name it. I've actually come across VCs that don't invest in companies that are sole proprietorships. It's risky. It's very risky. Because for a number of reasons, that means you are driving everything. And you cannot, you know, as a... Energy levels fluctuate. Yeah. Expertise, you know. And then it's also risky because if a VC then invests in you and anything happens to you, I mean, your business dies. And for us, we're looking at really the dynamics of a team. And what we're telling you is from the get-go isn't about how you get along or how it really is thinking about your business. And if this is a tech business, if this is a, what expertise do you bring? Are we aligned? What values do we have? Do we have alignment on our values? Do we have a shared vision for the business? All these things are critical. And then the last nine months of the program are what we call um, venture creation. The first ones that I explained as are part of uh, are the residential intensive part of the talent investor. And then during uh, venture creation, that's when then, you know, there's the finalizing of the prototyping and the creation of the ventures. But even that, Jasiri Fellows, Jasiri Entrepreneurs have provided access to industry experts and advisors. And if you're thinking about Jasiri, it's a program that provides entrepreneurs with, with an environment to thrive and really a network of support around them, being it facilitators of different type of coaches and different expertise, those focusing on finance, others on business, others on traction. Are you actually gaining traction? How are you defining traction, right? So the 360 in a way. It is a 360. And then there's a, there's a funding aspect, right? So we do provide a stipend, like a monthly allowance, so that entrepreneurs can really focus on the business, right? Survival. So you don't, you, yes, exactly. Mm. So you don't have to struggle on, you know, rent and, and meals. And, and then um, you also provide funding uh, that are mostly milestone based. So when entrepreneurs are doing market research, to really be able to glean and gather relevant information or during venture creation, uh, the prototyping of their products. So I would say it's exactly that. It's a 360 degree, holistic, comprehensive program. Yeah, and I've seen many of your alumni Ooh. come out and build what you would call successful companies mm. or successful startups. They've gone on to raise some, you know, good sums of money for their ventures. And, you know, they started out in your accelerator for all your programs, for lack of a better word. You're listening to Startups and FOPs podcast brought to you by No Skin. We're speaking to Aline from Jasiri. Aline, again, thank you for making the time. Failures. Mm. Failures, failures, failures. We don't like talking about failures. And I'm a fan that I don't need to go through the experience of someone else uh, for me to, to learn from that mistake. And that's why their books, Wisdom is Stored There. As a young person, uh, when I was about the age of seven, eight, nine, I used to believe that wisdom comes. First of all, people with wisdom have gray hair. <laughs> Second, uh, they are older. Mm. With time, I've learned it largely from experience. But experience is twofold. You could get experience by experiencing mm. what has happened or, you know, going through something. Or you could get it by learning from someone else's experience, books. Mm-hmm. listening to mentors, having mentors around you. What are some of the failures when you've been dealing with these companies that you feel like, you know what, we shouldn't be making this mistake over and over again? What are those common failures 
that many of the startups come to you with? Mm. Arnold, what I described was uh, the talent investor program, which, as I explained, takes exceptional individuals who are highly entrepreneurial and really getting them into the process of building their ventures from scratch, right? And so we're very much a learning organization, and we've just had two cohorts that went through our programs, and uh, we just elected our third cohort that will start in January. But I think what we've learned from the first cohort really defined the design of our program. So we did a lot of changes. We actually learned from the entrepreneurs themselves. So we're a very data-driven organization. And so we take feedback out of every experience, almost on a daily basis, every session. And we're very comfortable with the positive and very comfortable with the negative feedback. In fact, we love the negative because that allowed us to improve uh, on the program. And so we made changes to the program itself, and we've learned that um, we needed to advance that ideation process sooner into the program so that entrepreneurs from the get-go can start on the problem identification very quickly, can actually get these connections as part of the ecosystem very quickly, can test their ideas, their assumptions very quickly, should move quickly, right? We've also learned a lot around team formation because there can be a pain point for businesses to find the right team. And we've always told ourselves that we didn't want to interfere. So entrepreneurs themselves choose the team. But we've designed the program and we still are iterating the process in ways that provide the entrepreneurs with as much insights as they can have to make those decisions and really creating more opportunity for community building and engagement and interaction. And even that, we have some iterations that we will make for our third program. We've also learned that um, maybe on the touching on the funding side, really the importance of creating a discipline of accountability for the beginning, because these are grants, right, that are given to the entrepreneurs. And initially, we wanted to create a sort of a very flexible space that entrepreneurs would use the funds as they see fit, which is still the case. But I think building accountability into it means, okay, what milestones are you setting for your business? How are you going to use those funds? And how can you show us, show us evidence for how you use those funds to actually reach traction? What this does is when an investor comes and backs you with funding, actually invests in you, you've already created that muscle. So whatever we are doing as part of Chisiri, the big picture is actually getting investor ready. And in fact, one of our measurement of success is seeing other investors interested in you. So Lifestyle was the winner you, you alluded to, Peace. Yeah. You alluded to her winning Hunger Beach Fest. But she was, you know, as she was part of Jasiri, but also as part of Novartis. So when we have external uh, sort of validation, validation. And it is a measurement of success for us as, as, as Jasiri. So... Did I answer your question? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here, is it comme ça? Neither here nor there. I, I don't know, my friends. I want to come back to you. Uh, we tend to do, you know, taking coffee right now. Everyone has hobbies. You have hobbies. Mm. It's something you do over the weekend. What's a typical day in the life of Aline? Off work. Outside your Monday, Friday. Like. <laughs> oh, Arnold. I probably would be, <laughs> would be disappointing you because... You know, as a mother, 
you know, with younger kids, they're older now, but my life was designed in a way that, you know, it's work and then it's family. It's work and then it's family, you know? And so, and when it's family, then it's homework and all of the mama's duties. The 16, yeah, it's the last so one is 16. So now I think, I think um, I'm actually at a very interesting life transition because, you know, my oldest is going to university, my youngest is, you know, boarding school abroad. And so I'm actually learning to, to discover things and doing things and, and really having more of a, a balance in life. I'm not very good at it. I would say this is an area of growth. I love reading. I love reading. What are you reading right now? Uh, so I love Robin Sharma. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. He, has, he has a good podcast as well. Uh, he does. He has a good he podcast. Yeah. And he has an amazing style in writing. He's yep. a storyteller. Right. So um, I just finished The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Mm -hmm. Before that, I read The 5 a.m. Club. I need, have, you, have you read it? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little bit too extreme. No, <laughs> I think it's a little bit too extreme. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm I, believer because uh -huh. my day starts at 4.30. Oh, okay. On average, okay. like 4.30 because by the time we get to 7.30, 8 a.m., I'm yeah. just getting a lot done, right? Yeah, so I'm a believer in it. It's just not a book for everyone. No, no. And you have to look at the pieces that, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. You're looking at the pieces that apply to you. Yep. And, and I think that's, that's what I like about, uh, about him. But I love reading. I love listening to... I should to read your library soon. Um, oh, yeah. yes. We can exchange books. We can exchange books. That would be great. Thank you for making the time, Aline. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Aline Kabanda country director of Jasiri, one of my favorite organizations at Norskin. Now, if you want to check them out, find them at Jasiri for Africa across all social media platforms. You can find us at Norskin East Africa across all social media platforms. It does follow us. They can find you, Aline, right? Absolutely. Aline Kabanda across all social media platforms. Have a blessed day. And thank you for making the time to listen to Startups and Evops, a podcast brought to you by Norskin. No